Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Worthy is the Lamb for sinners slain before the foundations of the earth. We love you. We praise you. Can we just give God a big hand clap of praise this morning? So I'm finishing the series. This is the last installment in our series, How Great Thou Art. And uh, I'm going to read a text to you. But today I'm going to talk to you around the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. It Is Well With My Soul. So let's read our text. And then we'll get right into the message. We're reading, our text is, uh, excuse me, I'm on the wrong one. Our text is uh, Job chapter 1, verse 20 through 22. Reading from the NI version, it'll go up on the screen. Uh, At this, read it with me. At this, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I will depart. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Father, blessed in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Man, God is good, isn't he? God is so good. And today I just, I feel like that this message in this series has fallen in the exact right place. Um, because I know that a lot of us, many of us in holiday seasons are elated. Many of us have significant celebration in our hearts and joy and peace and we just love holidays and we just love everything about it and it's exciting and it's good but then then there are some of us who the season isn't that great and because maybe we're going through a season during the holiday season that is a reminder of some loss that we've had recently I just you know as we went through Thanksgiving I was just uh remembering that right after Thanksgiving, three years ago, my, my father-in-law died, or right around Thanksgiving, and it was a tough time, and you know, every year since then, we've had moments of just remembering that, and it's hard. It gets easier as you go. People say, oh, it doesn't get any easier. That's, that's the world talking. It does get easier. It never gets where it's not going to affect you, it's not going to have impact on you, but it gets easier. Why? Because we put our hope in the Lord. We don't look back. We look forward. Amen. And we know that God is good and he does good things in our lives. And so we go through these hard times and difficulties and sometimes it lands uh, in a place and no one ever has any answers for it. You know, what do you do when you're standing in front of the Red Sea and you hold up the staff and it doesn't roll back. What do you do when you've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and what you prayed for doesn't happen? 
But what do you do when things are difficult and hard and you thought they should be different than they are and you thought that it would turn out different than it is and you thought it would be better than it, sh that it is? It, sh it should be. It, why isn't it? We get frustrated. We get full of hard feelings. We can become embittered and it's a heavy load to carry. So life is hard sometimes. Come on, y'all. Life is sometimes hard. Now you say, well, Pastor, I didn't come to church on Thanksgiving weekend to be uh, given a downer. Well, I'm not trying to give you a downer, but I'm just trying to get real. Sometimes life is hard. And sometimes no one ever says anything about it. We want to get up and we want to talk about messages of God is this and God does that and God is this. We love him and, he, and all of that is true and we're so excited about it. But sometimes we need to talk about what do you do? When it's hard and it doesn't seem to be a solution or there doesn't seem to be an answer or there doesn't seem to be a way out. And I guess the only way you can identify with what I'm going to preach this morning is if you've been there. <laughs> Some of you can say, oh, pastor, I've been there. Some of you can say, pastor, I am there. Some of you can say, Pastor, I really don't know. Everything's been pretty good for me. Just wait. Well, that was encouraging. No, it's life. I'm not one of those people who believes, oh, have you ever been around someone who's like that, that, that everything's going really well, and the whole time it's going well, they're worried because they're afraid something, it's going too good, something bad's going to happen, my life is, my life is not, shouldn't be this good, my life shouldn't be this blessed, I'm not worthy of this, so something bad's going to, I'm not that guy. I'm not saying that we should be always worried or expecting bad things or hard things or difficult things. But what I am saying is life can be hard and God is still good and there are answers to questions, there are answers to problems, and there are solutions when it isn't able to be solved the way we think it should or it isn't able to be fixed the way we thought it would, we got to know, we have to know where we stand and what we should do in moments like that. Because there are moments like that. And, 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 and a lot of people, when they face moments like that, they do one particularly odd thing. They run away from God. Or they attack God as if God is responsible. I, I heard, I was reading and I heard a writer just the other day and he said something very interesting. He said, it's funny, and I've said this already I think last weekend, but it's funny how we, when things go bad, we blame God who told us not to act the way we're acting. And the things that have gone bad are the direct result of sin in the earth and choices we make, yet we want to blame him when it doesn't go the way we wanted it to go. Why is that? Why do we do that? Why do we get so angry and frustrated and beside ourselves? There is something we should do. That's not it. Are you saying to me, Pastor, that I can never ask why? No, I'm not saying that at all. It's okay. God is big enough to handle your whys. He's not scared of you. He's not scared of what you might come up with. You're not ever going to disprove him. You know, I was thinking as I was praying this morning how <laughs> it's, 
it's so odd to me. I was like, I was just giving praise and thanks to God in my prayer time. And I was just saying, God, thank you. And I praise you and I acknowledge you. And, and just kept coming up in my spirit that scripture that says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I said to the Lord, I said this morning in my prayer time, I said, Lord, I just, sometimes I just long for that day. I just want that day where we're, where everything is finalized, everything is finished, where you are, are there and truth is known and it, there's no more veil. Everyone sees it. Everyone knows it. Everyone hears it. Jesus Christ is Lord and everyone, everyone has to confess that that is the truth. And I thought, you know, even it's so funny because in the world we live in, there's so much evidence of God that it's hard to even deny him. And I know people can, and I know our doubts and fears sometimes try to make us it. But you know, even atheists are giving praise to God and they don't even realize it. They're giving acknowledgement to God and don't even realize it. Because if you truly don't believe in something, why are you fighting to prove it doesn't exist? Every time they argue God doesn't exist, they're arguing against something they don't believe exists. Because there's no way to really get around God. You look at his creation. You look at what he's done. He doesn't just create things. He sustains things. God is so much bigger than what we can comprehend. And I love it that he's knowable, that we can have relationship with him. But it, let's be honest. You don't understand everything there is to understand about God. And all we know about God is what he's revealed to us about himself through his word. So the truth is there's no way in our finite being that we can truly understand an infinite God. We can understand what he's given us to understand, but we can't comprehend all of who God is. And it's arrogant to think that we should be able to. And sometimes when we get into difficulties and we get into hardships, that's exactly what happens to us. We find ourselves questioning God. We find ourselves questioning whether the truth that we believe is really the truth or not. And that is the opposite of what we should be doing because what we should be doing is establishing our feet upon the rock of what we do know to be true so that the winds and waves of the trouble we're facing will not knock us over, but we will stand strong and complete in him. Amen? So, 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 so... It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. These words we've sang so many times, it's such a victorious hymn. It's so beautiful. It's so wonderful. It talks about a lot of different theological premises. It's it's very good him and it has been very meaningful to so many people, but many people don't even know who wrote it or even how it was written. It is well with my soul is a hymn that was penned by the hymnist Horatio Spafford. And it was composed by Philip Bliss. Now, this hymn was written out of trauma. Horatio Spafford was living through trauma when he wrote this hymn. There were several events in his life right before he wrote it. The first was that his, his son died at four years old, and the second was the great Chicago fire. It ruined him financially because he'd been a successful lawyer and had invested significantly in property in the area of Chicago that was extensively damaged by the great fire. His business interests were further hit by the economic downturn in 1873, at which time 
he had planned to travel to England with his family because he was connected to D.L. Moody and his evangelistic efforts, and he wanted to go help. He needed some encouragement himself. He wanted to go help. And so he had to take care of some business last minute in Chicago, and so he sent his wife and his four daughters on another vessel over to England to um, be a part of the Moody Crusades, and he would join them a little later. So as he put them on the boat, he sent them on their way, he was finishing his business, and when they got in the middle of the trip, somehow communication broke down and they hit another vessel. And their vessel hit this other vessel and they went down. They began to sink. Almost everybody on the boat was killed his wife sends a telegram back or sends a note back or whatever. I can't even remember what it was, but she lets it be known once she gets to England and is rescued, here's the word she sends to him, saved alone. Every one of his daughters drowned. And his wife was only saved because of the rescue efforts of some other person. Saved alone. I don't know if you can imagine the trauma of being a person who just lost your four-year-old son, just lost so much financially in business interest, and all you were trying to do is go help get God's word uh, propagated through England and, and, and evangelistic efforts, and you were going there to help do the work of the Lord, and you find out that your family, all everyone except your wife, is gone. He goes ahead, he finishes up his business, he gets ready, he gets on a vessel, heads across the ocean to get to England, and the captain knew of the plight and the situation of Spafford, and he, he, he went and got him when they were going right over the area that the boat went down. And he let him know, this is where your daughters have died. And just following that experience, he wrote, it is well with my soul. Is that even humanly possible? No. But it's spiritually possible. Because see, there's something that when we go through hard times and difficult circumstances, even circumstances that seem as final and fatal as that, we are not undergirded by flesh or carnality or by the world, but we're undergirded by the spirit and the presence of almighty God, the God of comfort who brings all comfort into our lives when we're facing the most difficult and hard circumstances of our life. He writes, it is well with my soul. It is well with your soul. Your family has been demolished, but don't we hear very similar words in our text in Job? He says, as Job got up, at this Job got up and he tore his robe and he shaved his head, then he fell to the ground in worship. That doesn't even sound like it goes together. He fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I will depart. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not charge God with wrongdoing. 
Now, that sounds like a good statement, something you might write to encourage you when you're facing difficulties, but I think before you just happen to just kind of nicely say that's a great text or a great scripture, let's just, let's just read what at this meant. When it said, at this, Job rose up, shaved his head, tore his clothes, fell to the ground in worship. Let's, let's just read what that meant. On, on verse 13 of chapter 1 of Job, says, on, in, on one day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were gazing, grazing nearby, and the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them and they put the servants to the sword and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you and while he was still speaking yet another messenger came and said your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking at the oldest brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house it collapsed on them and they are all dead and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you at this Job rose up fell to the ground cut his hair, tore his clothes, and worshiped. Worship? How do you even explain that kind of devastation? How do you even explain that? How do you even, how do you even begin to worship? I think, I think there's some, some of life that can affect us and, and have an effect on us that reduces us to what's left. This is why as a pastor, I teach you constantly to read the Bible. This is why as a pastor, I teach you consistently to pray and seek the face of God. This is why as a pastor, I want you to know God and be as closely and intimately related to him because life can reduce you down to what's left. And when you go through things like this, what needs to be left is not your feelings, not your emotions, not your pride, not your significance, not your personal fortitude. But what needs to be left is the reliance and dependence on a holy God that deserves worship regardless of the circumstances of our life. Because he is our only real answer. I mean, let, 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 let's listen to the original lyrics. It says, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. I want you to think about that lyric for a moment. This man was facing the worst destruction of his life. His inner man had to be completely in conflict with itself. He had to be burdened and, and grieving and hurting and feeling the pain and all the emotions of what had just happened happened to him his daughters died his son died he's lost most of his fortune and now he is facing all of this he and his wife and he says when peace like a river attendeth my way he's saying I don't know how I've got this peace 
but I've got it. I don't know how I'm peaceful in this moment. I don't know how I'm not in turmoil. I don't know how I'm not totally ate up, but I know this, God is on my side. And when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. Because see, the devil can touch a lot of things. The enemy can touch a lot of things in your life. The world can touch a lot of things in your life, but God, they cannot affect your soul unless you allow them to affect your soul. It is well. He goes on to say, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. For me be it Christ hence to live, if Jordan above me shall roll. No pain shall be mine, for as in death as in life, thou wilt whisper thy peace to my soul. But Lord, tis for thee, for thy coming we wait. The sky, not the grave, is our goal. O trump of the angel, O voice of the Lord, blessed hope, blessed rest. For my soul. And Lord, he's now praying, Lord, haste the day when the, the faith shall be made sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. A song in the night, O oh my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. When we face difficulties, and loss and death and hardship, and things we don't understand. When we face things that challenge us to the core, I fear, uh, and it is sad, I fear that we're much weaker beings than we used to be. We've been blessed so much and we have so little of trial in, in the sense of just living in such a blessed place that we forget how dependent we are on God and how when life really comes down to it, it's, it's about the soul realm. It's about the spiritual. It's not uh, about things that we make it about. And, and, and so much of the time, I think that we don't realize everything is spiritual. Yeah, you see the physical, but there is spiritual behind everything you experience. And we need to understand this. 
You, you, listen, we go through seasons that are hard and difficult, and those aren't seasons. I believe we've gone through a season in the last two years that the whole point of it was to discourage believers, to discourage pastors, to discourage leaders, to discourage Christians, to just give up, to just throw your hands in there, just to quit. And a lot of people have. A lot of people say it's just too much for me to bear. They haven't found their conviction in theology or haven't found their conviction in the Word of God or haven't found their conviction in their stabilization in the spirit of presence of God. And they have just floated away into the, 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 the life of the world and just said, I, I've got what I need. I've got my family around me. Everything is okay. But what we do not realize is those aren't the times to give up or give in. Those are the times to put the full armor of God and go to fighting. It's like nothing I've ever seen. The devil has picked a fight with the church and the church is not fighting back. And it's time that we stand up and in in, in, in gird our loins, as the Bible says, put the armor of God on and begin to fight. Well, how do we fight? We fight by praying. We fight by witnessing. We fight by loving. We fight by caring. We fight by being compassionate on the world. We fight by shedding the light in a dark world instead of just yelling how dark it is. We say, look, I've got something that can help you. I've got an answer to your question. I've got a solution to your problem his name is Jesus he's always been the answer he'll always be the answer and what you cannot be fulfilled in your own self Jesus can bring that fulfillment to you this world can't satisfy but Jesus can satisfy come on we can face troubles we can face trials we can face problems but it is well with my soul it might be hard with my life but it is well with my soul it might be hard with my children right now but it is well with my soul it might be hard the loss that I have faced but it is well with my soul why because I'm not in charge of my soul God is in charge of my soul come on somebody if you could receive anything about this you need to give God a praise this morning so the question then is how should we respond when everything goes wrong and the first answer to that question is grieve and worship. <laughs> it sounds crazy, but that's exactly what Job did. Job didn't even understand really what was going on. Some people take the book of Job and they preach it as it is, and they don't take into context the New Testament. They don't take into context what was going on behind the scenes, the spiritual scenes with the devil and with God. And, 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 and they just preach it as if God did this to Job. God didn't do this to Job. And Job at the time didn't even understand that. But his response would have been the same whether he understood it or not. He proves it because he didn't understand it and he responded this way. How did he respond? The Bible says when he found out he lost everything, when he found out that his family was gone except his wife, and if you read about his wife, he may have wished her to been gone. <laughs> I don't know. But... He might, he might have been like, Lord, you could have took her and leave me the kids. But y'all act like you ain't human. Come on. <laughs> but when he found out that his life had just been devastated, can you imagine this news? I mean, this is like, this, this isn't just he got told that some bad things happened. 
before the first messenger stopped talking, the second messenger started talking. And before the second one stopped, the third one started. And before the third one stopped, the it just went on. I, I, I would imagine that he felt in himself, I can't take any more. Don't, any, don't shoot the next messenger that comes down the road. Don't let him get to me. Have you ever felt that way? Like, man, my life is coming apart. You, have you ever been in that experience where it's like when it rains, it pours? Have you ever had that experience? It's like, why is everything going wrong all at the same time? And I can't explain it, but here's what I do know. I know that some tests do come from God because God is very clear about that. But harmful and bad things that come to people are, is not from God. That's from the devil. It's very clear in Job. And, and when the devil attacks us or when a sinful world just behaves like a sinful world, we should not be surprised at the negatives that we face. The, the, the response that we have, though, is the important thing. That's what's important, is how do we respond to this? And how did Job respond? He grieved and he worshiped. In Jewish culture, he, he did what they did. He got up and he shaved his head. This was a sign of mourning. He ripped his clothes open. This was a sign of mourning. I am grieved. I am hurt. I am wounded. But then he took a next step, worship. He fell on his knees and began to worship God. See, it's an all right to grieve. There's nothing wrong. Don't let some believer tell you it's not okay to grieve. And we don't just grieve the loss of people. Ladies and gentlemen, when you have something that is dear to you that you lose, there is grief involved. And you'd be best served to just let that process happen in your life. But don't just do it. Do it right. Don't just grieve, but grieve and worship. Everybody say that with me. Grieve and worship. That's what he did. Why? Why did he grieve and worship? Because he was showing his full dependency is on God, not on himself. He was saying, I'm going through something really hard here. I can't, there is absolutely nothing I can do about any of this. So he's hurt and he's ripped his clothes and he's shaved his head and then he falls on his face before God and worships the name of the Lord. Yes, grieve. Feel the feelings. Walk through the process and don't walk through it alone. You never need to be alone. You don't have to do life alone. That's what the family of God is for. That's what your brothers and sisters in Christ are for. That's what the family God gave you, the friends that God has given you. That's what they're for. Don't grieve things alone. Don't be that person who stands out by themselves and no one wants to know and no one really cares. That's just not true. I hear that, I hear that phrase all the time, well... How's everything going? Well, I can't complain. Wouldn't anyway, nobody would listen. Well, I don't think you should complain, but the idea, the cynicism behind a thought that nobody cares, that no one loves anymore, that no one would reach out to help you. I know our world's in a mess. I know there's a lot of, you know, fighting. I know that there's a lot of hurting and diatribe and all this kind of nonsense that's going on in the world today. But let me tell you something. Something bad were to happen, you'd see people come together like nobody's business. Why? Because God's put something in us. There are people who want to help. There are people who are compassionate. There are people who love. And you need to get that out of your mind that that's, that doesn't exist. So don't grieve by yourself. But most importantly, when you're grieving, grieve with God. Because people can help you to a degree, but not like God can help you. And the first posture you should take in your grief is on your knees. 
When I was younger, I would have got down there, but it's harder to get up now. Listen, that's the first posture, and this is what Job did. He said, I don't know what's happening to me right now. I don't know why this is going on. It hurts. He ripped his clothes. It hurts. Shaved my head. It hurts. This is, this is hurtful. But then his immediate response was to lift up God, to worship God, to say to God that there's something bigger than all this. I know we're so wrapped up in our families. We think our families are the most important thing that ever existed. We think that the people around us are the most important things. We think that what we do in our career is the most important thing. But Job is saying to all of us as he's grieving here over the catastrophe in his life, he's saying there are things that are bigger than all of this. And even though I'm grieving the pain of my physical situation as it stands, I will worship God because he's bigger than all of this. There's a world of bigger things outside of my pain. The second thing is focus on eternity. What did Job say? What was the text? It said, as this Job got up and, and tore his robe, shaved his head, then he fell to the ground and worshiped, and he said, naked I came in my mother's womb, naked I will depart. The Lord gave, the Lord takes away. May the name of the Lord be praised. He immediately starts thinking about eternity. He goes outside of time and he realizes that there's something bigger than what we are dealing with now. You know, we have a hard, the younger, the, the, the younger we are, the harder we have it to come to that place. It, it, to, to think about eternity because it's just hard. As you get older, you start thinking about it. As I watched my grandfather go to heaven in, in this last year, I'm telling, I'm telling you, listen, eternity became so real to me. It always has been, but it's a different level. When you watch your loved one literally just leave this earth and step into heaven, it just, you just watch that happen. You go, there's something bigger. There is something greater. And what he did is he immediately took his eyes off the smallness of his situation. See, here's the thing that we have to find interesting. The thing that is so big to us that is so hard and difficult to deal with is really not that big as compared to God and as a compared to eternity and we think it's everything we think it's all that and everything is going to be bad and everything is bad and it's never going to be good and the truth is if you keep your eye on eternity if you keep your eye on God you'll realize your problems aren't bigger than God your difficulties aren't bigger than God your issues aren't bigger than God whether they work out or don't work out God is by your side. He will walk you through. I love it that we have a God who will deliver. I love it that there are some things that God will snatch you out of. There are problems I've had in my life that I thought, God, you got to get me out of this. And he did. He just delivered me out of it. There were things going on in my life that I needed taken out of my life. And God sanctified me and took me out of my life. Can, can I tell you, God does that. But God also delivers us through things. What did Isaiah say? He said, he, Isaiah said this, he said, you may walk through the water, but you will not drown because I am with you. You may go through the fire, but you will not burn because I am with you. When we go through difficult circumstances, when we face the traumas of life, when we go through those issues, here's what happens. We immediately focus on how big they are when what we should do is Grieve and worship and acknowledge the bigness and the greatness of God and he'll deal with those issues. The third thing is praise and don't place blame. How many of you, when something bad goes, the first thing you do 
is try to figure out why. Who? Who did this to me? Who's after me? Who caused this? Oh, very minuscule example of this is what you will see if you go shopping this Christmas. But there's something in our humanity, our humanity or our humanity, there is something in it that makes us want to find a reason. Somebody's to blame. And sometimes we, that blame turns to shame because we blame ourselves even when it's not our fault. Blame is, is a, it's a no-win situation. Even if there is someone to blame, blaming them only ends up being unforgiveness towards them or embitterness, which hurts you. It's like the great author said, unforgiveness is, is, is like giving someone, excuse me, it's like you taking poison and expecting someone else to die. It's just ridiculous if we play that blame game and especially if we try to blame God. And what did it say that Job did? It said, it said that Job, he said, he said, the Lord gave, the Lord take away. He's, he's misunderstanding what's happening here. It's the devil. The Lord allowed it, but the devil's the one doing the business. And the Lord allowed it because he trusted Job. Sometimes we go through hard and difficult things because God trusts us and he's proving our faith and he's using us as an example to people around us. He's not doing harm to us, but when it is allowed, it's because God wants to use it to do something significant in our lives. Isn't that awesome that we serve a God that doesn't send all bad things to us, but even the bad things that come to us, he'll use them to turn them around for our good. Y'all still with me? So praise the Lord and don't place blame. Just start praising God. When you're traumatized, just start praising God. When you're going through the... the, the hell on earth just start praising God when you're dealing with difficulties you didn't think you could handle just start praising you're asking a lot of me pastor no I'm not asking you God's asking you because God knows that there's a connection between your praise and his action and when we begin to praise God shows up you want God to be intimately involved in the problems you're facing start praising him the Bible said God inhabits, he lives in, he dwells in the praises of his people. Job understood it. He said, I don't know what's going on. I don't even understand why it's going on. I don't know who's to blame for what's going on. But here's what I know. I came into this world naked. I'm going to leave naked. Blessed be the name of the Lord God Almighty. Blessed be his holy name. Blessed be his wonderful name. Blessed be his beautiful name. See, because here's what happens. Somehow we've allowed the world's view of bad things to get on us. In other words, if some bad circumstance happens to our life, that has to mean that God isn't who he says he is. When something bad happens in your life, it doesn't change who God is in the least. Not at all. God doesn't live in the same sphere that we live in. He doesn't, isn't affected by the same things we are affected by. He's so big that he stands outside of time. He created time. He's in your past, present, and your future all at the same time. Does that freak you out? He's so big that he stands outside of eternity. 
We can't even understand eternity, and God stands outside of it because he created it. He is not moved. He does not change. So then the only thing that's going to change in the situation is us and our circumstances. If we can go to God and begin to praise his name. So what should our response be? If those are the questions we ask and those are the answers we give, then, then this is our response. And the reason this is our response is because God uses trouble. I'm going to quickly share this with you. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. What does it say? And we know that in all things good God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So if we're living for God, we love God, we're obeying God, we're living out the purpose of God, then all the negative things that happen in our life, all the difficulties that we face, all the trauma that we go through, God's going to use it to work out good things in our life. Psalms 23, I mean, just listen to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies, and my, my, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall, uh, shall follow me me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is a commitment and a commission from a shepherd to his sheep saying, look, don't worry about your needs. I've got it taken care of. Look, when life is hard, I'm going to take you by some peaceful waters. Look, when life is difficult, I'm going to provide for you with the good pastures. Look, when enemies come against you, I'm going to set you down at a table in front of them and they can watch you have victory over the problems in your life. That's the God we serve. That's the shepherd who leads. Come on, y'all. Y'all, you need to understand that God is doing something great in our lives, even in the difficulties of our lives. I love that passage of scripture because it said, blesses he, uh, or except, what does it say? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. So what does it say? He leads me, he makes me, he restores. And then it says, even though I. You ever notice that? Sometimes we're thinking God's leading us into those places. No, that's us. Even though I walk into the valley of the shadow of death. In other words, even though I walk into unsafe places, even though I walk in, he's a good shepherd to come and find me and bring me home. Listen, don't give in. I got so much more. I'm just gonna give you three things quickly. Don't give in to the feeling of trauma overcoming you. But be like, be like Horatio Spafford. When you face the difficulties, I know it's hard. I know this is more than I can bear. And because it is, I'm just going to declare the thing I know to declare. It is well with my soul. My God is still on his throne. No matter what it looks like on circumstances, God is still omnipotent. No matter what it looks like in front of me, God is still omniscient. No matter what's going on around me, God is still omnipotent. 
There is nothing he cannot, I can't explain, I can't explain it. I don't know how to explain it. But am I really supposed to have to explain it? No. All I know is God is God and I am me. And he has committed to take care of me. And so I may be walking through some flood here. But I'm not going to drown because he's with me. I may be walking through some hot and heated fires. But I'm not going to burn because he's with me. He said he'd never leave me and he'd never forsake me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Though it comes and though it goes, blessed be the name of the Lord. Though there are good times and though there are bad times, blessed be the name of the Lord. Though I'm struggling to figure it out, blessed be the name of the Lord. C.S. Lewis said, God allows us to experience the low points of life in order to teach us lessons that we could learn no other way. So how? How do we do this? Well, Moses showed us how to do it because God took him through a hard place but made it holy ground. So what did Moses teach us in his life if you know the story of Moses? He taught us don't run away from God when it's hard run to God. Joseph taught us this through the consistency of his life that he dealt with hard and difficult times. He's one of those guys that you could look at from the outside and say, wow, he went from the prison to the palace overnight. Isn't it funny? That's what everybody notices. But they don't talk about Potiphar's house and the injustice on his life. Here's what Joseph taught us. He, he said, you be aggressively patient. The suddenly miracles come after patient, persistent faith. In other words, you don't just wait on God. You faithfully wait on God. You do what you know to do with all your might until God shows up. And he will show up. The third is Paul and Silas. They were in a hard place. They were just preaching the gospel. They were beaten. They were thrown into prison. They were taken advantage of. And what they taught us is when it seems that things are at their worst, choose to pray and praise. And find a public way to celebrate who God is. Listen to me. It's hardest to pray and praise when you're facing the difficulty. It's hardest to pray and praise when you're mourning the loss. It's hardest to pray and praise, but sometimes I watch people, I watch people go through hard things and run from God or run from the church or run from people and, and I just think to myself, you're making a mistake. Come back to the, the fold. Come back to God who loves you. Sometimes you have to raise your hands and praise God through the tears. Sometimes you have to raise your hands and praise God through the difficulty, through the I don't knows and why is this happening. And sometimes you just have to worship Him anyway because you know this is what's going to dig you out of the pit. It's like you're down in a dark pit and God's throwing you a rope and your praise and your worship of Him is that rope and He's going to throw that rope to you and He's going to pull you out of that darkness and He's going to pull you out of that difficulty and He's going to pull you out of that mourning because He is able to do that. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says, take off those garments of heaviness and put on the robes of praise. You know, sometimes we're, we're wearing these robes of heaviness. We're wearing these clothes of depression and discouragement and defeatism. And God's saying, I have a new robe for you. It's a robe of praise. If you just start praising me, that old robe's going to fly off. That old way is going to get go away. You're going to find yourself filled with hope. You're going to find yourself filled with joy. You're going to find Find yourself filled with love. Come on. How many of you in the time that we live could little, use a little bit of joy right now? You could use a little bit of love right now. You could use a little bit of compassion right now. You could lose a little bit of Jesus right now. Come on.
the way that happens is when you realize no matter the circumstances, no matter what, it is well with my soul because I trust God. It's going to be okay. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor seriously. Tell him it's going to be okay. Stand with me. Stand with me. Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to Him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church podcast.